Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Welcome once again to this podcast and uh, glad that you are with us as we are once again going to dig into the book of Hebrews today as part of our study uh, in this book from the New Testament, a, a really um, phenomenal book that we're going through and and sort of looking at it a little bit more in depth. Um, and this is, I sort of see this as a bit of a devotional resource or something that will help you to better understand this book and to gain a, a love and an appreciation uh, for this particular book in the New Testament, one that is uh, in some ways quite different from uh, other books in the New Testament, as I've mentioned, because of uh, the way that it it ties um, so obviously and consistently back to the Old Testament. And again, uh, today, once again, as we're going to be in Hebrews 11, that is the case. Now, Hebrews 11 is probably one of the best known chapters in all of the New Testament. Certainly, I would say it's probably the chapter that's most frequently referred to in Hebrews. And so it has a level of familiarity with it um, that is great, but can sometimes be um, not so great and a little unhelpful in us kind of seeing it with fresh eyes, if you will. And so I'm hoping to do a little bit of that today, looking at it in a way that will help us to see it in a little bit new perspective. And for that, we need the context. We need to remind ourselves of the context of Hebrews. And that is that this book or letter was written to Jews that were had been scattered throughout the Roman Empire because of the persecution against the Jewish people. And so there was these pockets of Jewish believers in Jesus who had put their faith in Jesus uh, and, and had um, done that as people who had, had come out of Judaism. But now there was, a, there was some who were really questioning, okay, is this faith worth it? Is, is this following Jesus as the Messiah, is this really worth it? Or, uh, you know, is it just easier to go back to what I'm familiar with and, and what's I'm comfortable with in Judaism? And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to them And that's a big thrust of this letter is showing how, um, you know, don't, don't throw away your confidence. Uh, Don't shrink back. Um, Don't go back into unbelief. Don't harden your heart. Be careful. Watch what's going on. And then alongside that, those warnings and those challenges and, and provoking the people to keep going is showing almost systematically why Jesus is better than everything that's come before, why he's even superior to the angels, why he's better than Moses, because Moses took care of God's house, but Jesus is is the builder, and and then how Jesus is better than uh, all the Old Testament sacrificial um, regulations, and how his his sacrifice once for all is better than all of that. I'm not going to rehash that uh, beyond that, but uh, you can go back and listen to past podcasts on Hebrews if you want to uh, hear a little bit more of that. But uh, this this part of Hebrews now that we're getting to, that we, we started to come to at the end of, of chapter 10 and now in chapter 11, um, is really a bit of a shift where now it's uh, talking a lot about faith 
And it's talking about, okay, in light of how great Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he calls us to, don't throw away your confidence. Don't, don't go back to that. And so it's interesting that then the writer of Hebrews um, has this chapter on faith and is, again, sort of systematically going through and highlighting some of the heroes of the Jewish faith and, and you know, the rock stars, if you will, of Judaism and, and for, the, for the Israelites and kind of going through and showing how, uh, how they trusted God and how they relied on God and, and how they, uh, they obeyed God. And so I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read all of Hebrews 11. Um, it's a it's a long chapter. It's uh, 40 verses in all, so it's it's fairly lengthy. And so I'm gonna just kind of talk about it and highlight some things, and then, um, you know, if you even at this point, if you want to pause and and read it, and then come back, you can do that, or you can listen and then and then use this, um, you know, as as a way that's this could be helpful in, in helping your understanding and then you could read it afterwards. But it's it's interesting because the writer of Hebrews is highlighting all these people that are that are heroes of the Jewish faith. And one of the things he's doing is he's making very clear to the people as followers of Jewish followers of Jesus, he's saying we're they all worship the same God. And so Clearly, we see that, you know, what he's trying to remind them of is that following Jesus, putting uh, your your hope in Jesus as the Messiah is not in any way divorcing yourself or removing yourself from what's come before, that the, the history of the Jewish people and their worship of Yahweh, their worship of the Lord— is one and the same with their worship of Jesus and following Jesus. And so, which is, again, that's one of those perspectives that maybe in our familiarity with Hebrews, we don't realize that as much, that that is is um, a, a pretty profound claim uh, at that time for these people and a reminder of that that God is working through all of this, and Jesus is God. And so, they, he goes into faith. Now, again, this is, he, the reason behind this, I would say, in Hebrews, and, and the, for, it's, where we need to understand the context, is the writer is saying, he's, he's reminding them, again, of don't throw away your confidence, don't harden your hearts, um, you know, in light of, of everything that, that Jesus has done, um, keep on with, with you know, keep on. Don't shrink back, which again, at the end, that's what it says at the end of, of Hebrews 10. Um, but believe. And, and this belief is tied to faith. And right off the top, the writer says faith. He, he identifies what it is. He defines what this faith that he's talking about is. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, or this is what your ancestors, this is what those who came before you were commended for, that they didn't see it, 
but they hoped for it and they put their faith and their trust and their confidence in God. And it directed their lives. It it changed the course of their lives. That that this faith is not a little kind of um, side issue that is tucked into a corner and is just something that sometimes we go to or something that we adhere to at times, but that this faith is so uh, central to the life of those who follow Jesus, those who follow, those who followed Yahweh, those who followed God before, that it directed everything that they did. And so that's, that's part of what the writer here of Hebrews is, um, you know, again and again, over and over, he's showing almost like just building these blocks of like, this is what faith is. And faith is absolutely at the center of these lives. And therefore, you know, the question being put to the readers is, where is this faith in your life? Uh, your your belief, your following the way of Jesus as the Messiah, what what part does that play or what to what extent um, is that active and directing your life? And so he, he shows this and he talks about Abel and Cain and then he talks about uh, Enoch and then he talks about Noah and that, you know, again, you think about Noah and God's telling him, I, I'm going to bring this flood on this earth and I want you to build this massive boat that you're going to take in all living animals, species, and you're going to put your family in this boat and you're going to build it while everyone around you in this world is going, what are you doing? And God's saying, trust me, this is what I'm going to do. You're, you're not going to, what I'm telling you to do, you're not going to see it right now. What I'm going to do, there's going to be no evidence in the natural world that what you're preparing for is actually coming. And I'm calling you to trust me. And the writer says that it was this, it was faith in Noah that caused him to to obey, caused him to walk in this obedience. And it says there, in holy fear, he obeyed the Lord because he had faith. And then it goes into Abraham and, and spends, uh, the writer here spends quite a bit of time on Abraham and, and talked um, about a few different things of how Abraham just uh, so clearly followed God and, and, and was obedient to what God was, was calling him to. And, and it began with him being called out of his homeland and um, being called to, to go to this promised land and you know, again, he, the writer's saying that he didn't even, he, he obeyed and he went in this faith, didn't even know where he's going. Uh, and, and he lived, it says he lived in tents, uh, as did those who came after him, Isaac and Jacob. And, and it's so interesting because, you know, you think about Abraham and you go, well, he was looking forward to a physical promised land. And, and so that's why he left the land of Ur and, and journeyed is that there was this promise of what God was going to do in him. But the writer's also revealing, like we see in other parts of scripture with Abraham, is that there was this far bigger plan 
that God was working through the obedience of Abraham. Because it says there that he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And so there was something, you know, the writer's acknowledging there's something way bigger than just the physical land that God was going to give Abraham. There was there was something he was working through him that, again, would be a blessing to all nations that would um, that would come to believe and come to to walk in this same level of faith. And, and I, you know, it reminds me of Romans 4 with Abraham, where it says, no unbelief made him waver considering the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, it says, that God was able to do the, as he had promised. And that, I love that verse in Romans 4, where it just fully convinced that God was able to do as he had promised. That, that's something that at various times in our lives, when we don't know what God's doing, when we don't see what God's doing, when we are struggling to understand and comprehend or just have so such a low ebb, low level of faith or expectation. And, and I, I can identify with that. In, in pastoral ministry, there's, there's ebbs and flows of that, certainly. And you go, God, what are you, what are you doing? And, and that verse in Romans, and it, it ties here to the obedience of Abraham and his faith in the promises of God. And more than that, in his faith in the character of God and in who God was. And no, he just would not let unbelief come into his life that would make him waver or doubt or distrust what God had spoken to him. And so there's several things in that. One is, is just to kind of jump off that a little bit would be thinking about our, our need to hear from God. And so seeking God and, and making room for him in our lives and hearing what he's saying to us. And then when we receive those words from the Lord that we know are from the Lord, just not moving off them when there's situations and, and circumstances that would could really make us want to walk and respond in unbelief or, um, you know, start to question the Lord. And so that's an encouragement and, and something for us to really hold on to. And, and, and then, in, and then the writer of Hebrews with Abraham here, he goes into, um, you know, the faith that Abraham and Sarah that they walked in when it concerned the promise of that God was going to give them a son, which, you know, we know just how absolutely an incredible miracle that was given their their old age, what God did. And and then it it um well then there, and then and then there's a pause in the text a little bit where they in, in verse 13 of, of Hebrews eleven where it's it goes into that these people who were living by faith when they were still living by faith when they died and 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 the writer admits like they didn't actually receive the things promised to them they they saw them and they only he says they only welcomed them from a distance and he says and they admitted that they were anger, uh sorry aliens <laughs> and strangers on this earth and 
And so he says, people who say such things or, or you know, live in this way, and, and Peter also refers to that um, sort of thinking uh, in other parts of the New Testament. He says, these people who, who live like this, they are, are looking for a country of their own, but, but they're, not, it's not, they're not just looking for a physical country. They're not looking for a physical destination. They're looking for a better country, the writer says in verse 16, a heavenly one. And he says, therefore, like in light of this, because they are so convinced that God is faithful and God is going to bring them through and God is with them on the journey, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. And there's this idea that the writer of Hebrews is, he's, he, th- there's a thread here that he's pulling through, if you will, about this city that is to come. And, 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 and again, it, it goes to this whole thing of this, the city that is to come. He mentions it later. We'll go into it later yet in Hebrews 13, the city that is to come, um, that, you know, on this earth, we don't have an enduring city, but there's a city to come that we have. And so he's pulling this thread through and he's doing it to keep reminding the people. And, and this is where it reminds us, don't lose your confidence. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. And then after this, then the writer goes back to, comes back to Abraham and he, he talks about the obedience that he, uh, he was willing to offer up Isaac to the point of, of killing him on this altar that God called him to. And then at, and obviously God uh, called out to him there and, and, you know, saw the level of faith and obedience that Abraham was operating in and, and pulled, pulled him back. But it says there, this is one of those incredible verses in Hebrews 11, where it says that Abraham in that obedience, that he was willing to do that because Abraham reasoned with God sorry, reason that God could raise the dead. Like he's, he basically believed that even if he killed Isaac in obedience, that God was so faithful, God was so committed to his promise that he could raise Isaac from the dead. And he, and it says that, that there, that Abraham walked in such obedience that figuratively speaking, he, in, in that act, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Like that's the, the extent to which he, uh, obeyed the Lord and submitted himself to God was that he, he he considered that that he would have to put Isaac to death. It's it's staggering levels of faith and staggering levels of obedience. And then the writer goes on and talks about um, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Moses gets a little bit more of a focus again. And then it talks about uh, the uh, the people. Um, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to go back actually, and, and again, this is one of those incredible verses um, in verse 26, where it the writer ties the obedience of Moses um, and his decision to be mistreated along with the people of God, the Israelites in Egypt rather than enjoy all the fleeting pleasures of sin and comfort that he had there in Egypt as an adopted son. It says he regarded disgrace uh, 
for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, obviously, Joseph didn't see Christ then. He didn't know of his his future coming. But the writer says that in that way, in his obedience, uh, it's in that same way that it's it's like when we... uh, consider that we're willing to suffer disgrace for obedience to Christ, uh, we, are, we are then operating in the same attitude and posture as Moses did. And then it goes on and talks about by faith, people pass through the Red Sea. And it goes on and talks about what happened at Jericho and how Rahab, when she welcomed the spies and, and her obedience and, and belief that God was going to rescue her and her family, which they did. And she was grafted into the kingdom of Israel uh, because of that faith. And then, and then the writer, at that point, he says, you know, what more shall I say? And he's like, he's like, I don't even have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who he says, and he goes on and he says that who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, well, that's Daniel, quenched the fury of the flames. I'm, I'm assuming that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and with, with Nebuchadnezzar and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. It's probably talking about David. Anyways, there's there's... There's a bunch of stuff that they, he just notes about how these people, these people of God, faithful to the Lord of heaven and earth, faithful to Yahweh, how they were willing to suffer all means of horrible, horrible things because they were not going to give up their confidence in who God was. It says that, these were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And so the, the writer of Hebrews is drawing this all together and he's saying that they, they didn't even receive what, what they were looking for. They, they, never, they never received it on this earth, but God was, was working and that in Christ now, in the fullness of Christ, that there is the perfection that comes for all of us, including those who've come before, those who trusted in God, those who followed the ways of God, those who had, by faith were obedient to the ways of God, that in Christ now we are all made perfect because that was God's plan before the foundation of the world, as it says at the beginning of Ephesians. So I want to, one thing I want to just maybe mention here, and I thought of this, I've been, I've been taking a course um, recently online with biblical interpretation. And, and one of the things that this course talks about is understanding the text, the world um, behind the text, the world of the text, and the world in front of the text. And, and this thought about the world in front of the text is the fact that we have had 2,000 years of church history that we can't just dismiss when we're reading scripture that there's been 2,000 years of faithfulness in the church of followers of God, followers up to the way of Jesus who have mapped out a way for us in ways that we can 
that actually have shaped the way that we look at Scripture and read Scripture. And so, not to get too much into that, but in light of Hebrews 11, you know, this list, we could say, and I don't have time to talk about Polycarp or Aeronaeus or, um, you know, all, all the, um, the incredible men and women of faith that have uh, gone forward, that have gone before us. Julian of Norwich, um, you know, Brother Lawrence, um, you know, Jonathan Edwards, C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Billy Graham. And, and you could go all throughout church history. We have people who have been faithful representatives for us of what it means to be faithful to the Lord, to be obedient, and to be committed, totally sold out to the way of Jesus. And, and in these days, and like, like all at every time of our life, but in these days, we need to be reminded of this, that we don't want to shrink back. We don't want to throw away our confidence, that we are called to be faithful to the way of Jesus. We're called to be faithful to scripture and to what is modeled for us and what's put before us. And we want to be people of the book, if you will, people who are, we are committed that this, this is, this is truth. As we look at Hebrews 11 and we look at, at other parts of the word, that this is truth for us. And I want to, as we wrap up, as I wrap up here, I want to just bring us back to one verse that's added just after the writer talks about Enoch, between Enoch and Noah, and, and you might know this verse well, but it's, it's, it's such an important um, point in this to, to remind ourselves of. It says, without and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is not... Faith and uh, belief that God is going to do as he had promised and not operating in unbelief and being sure of God's promises and walking in obedience to him, it's not negotiable. It's, it is simply, this is the way of Jesus. This is the way that we follow God. But the incredible promise for us, brothers and sisters, is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We want to earnestly seek Jesus. We don't want to just put him off into a corner and, and live our lives and, and live, live for the pursuit of ourselves and for, for everything that this world claims that it can offer us. No, we, we want to earnestly seek God. We want to earnestly, earnestly consider and ponder what does it mean to follow the way of Jesus? How do we have faith? How do we walk in obedience? How, how do we, regardless of what situations look like, how do we remain steadfast to the way of Jesus in a world that is shifting and in the grips of chaos and tumult? We want to earnestly seek God and we want to believe that he's going to do everything that he has promised, which ultimately he will, because again, we live as 
Sunday resurrection people in a Good Friday world. That's a, a quote that I was just reminded of this week from N.T. Wright. But that's true. We, we are Sunday resurrection people and we know what we live from and we know who we live in and who is working within us. And so we, uh, we take our hope in that and we, we live out of that hope. And I trust that as you're listening to this, and if I say amen, you're like, amen. And so let's leave it there for today. So bless you. Uh, I know this this podcast went a little bit long, but uh, this is a, a pretty meaty chapter. And, and we really, in some ways, just kind of skimmed the surface again. But I trust that this will encourage you and... Um, will spur you to go deeper and to study Hebrews 11 and to look at just all the intricacies of what the writer, what he's, what he's claiming here and how these absolute, you know, the, the Hebrews Hall of Fame, if you will, which is another commonly referred to thing, how these, these people are held up and, and we can look to their examples of how we follow God faithfully and with obedience. So bless you. And Lord willing, until we see you again, God bless.